Hey party people, welcome to another episode of Tragedy Plus Time Equals Danny Martin. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Febreze Air. If there's a smell of flagellants you just can't bear, try Febreze Air. I'm a meadows and rain kind of guy myself, but everyone's entitled to their own preference. Just a quick uh, disclaimer here. Uh, I do not have the uh, right, I suppose, to um, do these promotions. Uh, a lot of people have been asking me, is that legal? I don't think it is, but uh, I also am not too worried about it because um, not a ton of people that listen to this anyway. But uh, I guess I should say that Febreze does not actually support this podcast, nor does any of the other companies that I talked about in the previous episodes, nor do they condone the things I talk about. So I guess that, I guess saying that pretty much covers my, my rear end. Uh, even if they did sue me, uh, there's not much they can get. I got, they can take my car. That's about it. If they want a 2013 Hyundai Santa Fe, uh, they can have it. That's, uh, that's about all I got for you guys. So anyway, uh, tonight's uh, episode is entitled, Hey, you still doing stand-up? Um, I'm going to talk about my attempt at becoming a stand-up comedian over the past, I guess, 10 years now. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, a lot of ups and downs. And... If you haven't noticed, I do not have a special on Netflix yet, but we're going to get into that. It's coming soon. Anyway, uh, without further ado, let's get started on tonight's episode. This here's a podcast about Danny Martin, not finishing the things that he started. Kind of like writing the lyrics to this song. Tragedy plus time equals Danny Martin. That's the title of this show. Now we're starting. Skilly bop 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 boo bop da bop boo So it is entitled, uh, Hey, you still doing stand up? I'm going to talk about my um, journey into becoming a stand up comedian, I suppose. We'll call it a journey. It's been a long time. Uh, the past nine years of uh, me doing a stand up, making an attempt to become a stand-up comedian. Uh, but before I get into that, I uh, just want to make a quick note that I have purchased stickers for the show. So if you'd like a sticker, please uh, reach out to me. Guaranteed a sticker if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts about the show. And if you've already done so, uh, reach out to me and I will get one to you. Uh, I pretty much know where everyone is and who they are that has left a review already. So I'll I'll get you guys a sticker at some point. Um, yeah, today I just want to talk about um, my attempt at becoming a stand-up comic over the past geez, 10 years now. It's been a uh, on-and-off thing for me. A little bumpy road, bumpy journey, I guess. Um, so, a little bit backstory. Uh, big fan of stand-up. I've always been a big fan of stand-up. Used to watch when I was in... I guess probably high school or maybe even earlier than that, would watch uh, Comedy Presents or Comedy Central Presents, um, you know, the half-hour shows that they used to do all the time, which back then was like the thing to do. I mean, HBO was the one that, from the beginning, that, that was the show that you'd want to get on, do an hour special on HBO, and then Comedy Central came around and everyone was doing half-hour specials. I remember, you know, discovering all my favorite comics now, like Bill Burr, Jim Gaffigan, uh, Dimitri Martin, uh, Mike Birbiglia, Brian Regan, uh, all those guys back before they became the, 
big successes that they are now. I mean, I'm sure they were very successful at that point, but they're, you know, everyone knows them now. And I just fell, I, you know, fell in love with it then. And, uh, it was always something I wanted to do. And it's just kind of funny because, uh, I would say in high school, it was very, unless you knew me, I mean, personally or hung out with me, very quiet, reserved person. So it was kind of, I don't know, I guess from an outside perspective, kind of funny for me to want to become a stand-up comic. But nowadays it's like, that's kind of the thing, I guess, like all the people that were like that in high school, um, kind of got into comedy and, um, it's just funny how that, how that turns out. You take the quiet and reserved people and they end up being the funnier people or, um, the ones willing to get on stage and try out jokes and, and whatnot. So it's a, it's an interesting, interesting, interesting dynamic. So, yeah. So I've been watched a lot of stand up growing up and I think after high school, I didn't really have much of a plan. Didn't have money for college and wasn't sure, even if I did go to college, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Very eye opening when I first started doing comedy, just, uh, you know, um, get an idea of how it really worked. But I remember the first open mic I did, I found this thing online. And this was like, not specifically a comedy open mic. This was a kind of any talent open mic. So singers, um, poets, uh, comedians, stuff like that. So it was at this place called the Squawk Coffee House. And I'll never remember the date exactly, but it was right out, it was probably the fall right after I graduated high school. So I, I think October of 2009, I don't remember what day I found this place online. It was called the Squawk Coffee House. It was in Cambridge. It was like right in between um, Harvard Square and uh, Porter Square. And so I'm looking for this place. I'm thinking it's like a legit coffee house. And I remember uh, I was driving in with my buddy Ryan and I was super nervous about doing it. I almost didn't want to go because we couldn't, couldn't find the address for this place. I had no idea where it was. You Google Squawk Coffee House, like nothing came up. Turns out it was at this church or like, a, I don't know if it was like still an operational church, but it was, it was a church building and go inside and there's like AA meetings going on. And we just, we walk into like the main room and there's all these like fold up chairs laid out. There's a microphone, a PA system. And this thing was called the Squawk Coffee House, but it had one pot of coffee and one pot of hot water, like a Mr. Coffee pot of coffee and a, a pot of hot water and like a bunch of tea bags and cream or whatever. So it's just like, I'm looking for this coffee house and they have one pot of regular coffee and a pot of hot water to make tea. And it was just not what I had pictured in my head. Uh, definitely didn't picture doing the first time, or first time doing standup in, um, in a church itself as well. So very weird, very weird uh, venue. I have no idea what jokes I did. I think I told a few jokes about my mom's driving. Couldn't tell you exactly what they were. That's the only only premise I remember doing. Um, and I just remember a bunch of people. There were a bunch of people there that I didn't expect to be there. There were some a few people from high school that I wasn't like necessarily really good friends with. Certainly wouldn't have expected them to know that I was doing stand up that night. I really only told told a few people, so it was kind of weird. I mean, obviously a bunch of my regular friends were there which was pretty cool, but there was a bunch of, I think everyone was very curious. Like I said, I was very quiet in high school. I think everyone was very curious to see 
what I would be like on stage. I think, um, you know, definitely sparked interest in people because I was so quiet and reserved in high school that, okay, this kid, you serious? This kid's the one doing standup. So I had had quite a few people show up that I did not expect to be there. And I think overall my set went pretty good. Like I said, I don't really remember my jokes. It wasn't really a full house. Um, I think I might have been the only comic there that night. There's a bunch of people with guitars and I think a bunch of poets and stuff. But it went pretty good. It was very nerve-wracking. And I remember getting out of there just like with this huge sigh of relief that it was done. And um, then I think we, me and a couple of buddies went and played hacky sack. That was like, that was the night. And uh, it was very interesting and uh, very cool. It was, um, yeah, it was fun. Uh, and then the next time I did a open mic was um, this bar in Watertown it was hosted one every every Monday or every other Monday or something like that. And that became like a regular spot I would go to. It was kind of tough for me to kind of get into it as well because um, I remember the first couple of years I was doing stand-up were probably the best years um, out of all the years that I've been doing it because I was super committed to it. And like I said, I wasn't working. And I wasn't, uh, I wasn't going to school or anything. So that was like, <laughs> I literally dedicated all my time to it, which is, was kind of sad, but, um, but I, I had all this time to do it and I didn't have a car, which made it super difficult to get around as well. Um, but I was taking, taking the T a lot, which I, I live close enough to everything where everything was pretty much T accessible, all the open mics and whatnot. And when you do all comedy open mics, uh, the vast majority of them are, are at like bars that will allow uh, comedians to to host these things. Uh, you know, it's not like you're doing uh, comedy clubs every night. You're doing, you're at some some bar that's just trying to get people in on like a, a Tuesday night or a Monday night and, you know, whatever their slow night is. If I'm being honest, comedy open mics are pretty dreadful. So I was doing, I'm, I'm, I was open micing a lot. Um, I want to say maybe three to four nights a week, uh, any bar that I could get to and that was hosting an open mic and just trying out jokes, trying to, um, get like rhythm down. And it's, it's kind of crazy. Like you think of all these things when you're writing jokes, you know, something comes into your mind and you think it's funny and then you go and do it on stage and it's, uh, and then it doesn't, it doesn't hit, you know? Like no one else finds it funny or when you, even when you say it out loud through, <laughs> through a microphone, you're just like, wow, that, that was actually, that's a shitty joke. But it's also very tough too when you're doing open mics because you're performing in front of a bunch of other comics, other comics that are uh, trying to get their sets together before they go up. They're super um, concentrated on their jokes. They're not listening to you. And even if they are, they may not find your jokes funny. So it's, um, it's, it's, a, it is a, it's, it's kind of get like a good and bad way to practice your jokes. I mean, it's the first time you get to say your jokes aloud that aren't just in your head, but at the same time, you're not getting uh, great feedback as to how well you're doing, which is super tough um, because you want to know if the joke's funny or not. So, Open mics are tough, but they're good to work out like the wording behind a joke and just to get your confidence up or uh, become more comfortable talking on stage, I suppose. 
I don't, <laughs> some nights they don't really boost your confidence. If you get other comics to laugh, that's a incredible thing to be able to do, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't always turn out that way. So that's always my goal. Like if I can get, if I can make a joke funny enough to make the comics at open mics laugh, then I know the joke's pretty, pretty good. Anyway, I'm kind of like all over the place here because I didn't really structure this out. That's still what I was going to talk about. I'm just kind of rambling. But anyway, so yeah, I started out, did the open mics, do, doing these regular places. And like the goal is kind of just, you know, keep doing it, get your stuff together. And, you know, eventually, you know, there's other comics at these open mics, you know, you get all all sorts of levels of uh, comedians at open mics. You know, they get the seasoned people and whatever, and then the beginners and the amateurs, whatever. Um, so it's good to get exposure out there to kind of network with people and kind of get your name out there because then people ask you to be on other shows. Um, and then there are some some comedy clubs that may host an open mic, so it's kind of a way to audition for them to maybe get on a show for them as well. So, you know, I was doing open mics a lot and obviously trying to work out um, what I, what I thought was funny and what, you know, and get rid of everything that wasn't. And there's certainly like nights where you, you do great. And then there's nights where you're like, I never want to do this shit again. And I've had tons of those nights. Like I said, I don't remember a lot of the jokes um, that I did back in the day part mostly because I don't have like those notebooks anymore. There, there were nights where I would have a really bad open mic and just like, man, my jokes suck. And I would throw my notebook out. Like I would literally leave the bar that I was at and just the nearest barrel, I would throw my notebook out. Yeah. I'd go to CVS the next day and just buy a new notebook. And I don't know if that's the best thing to do. Like, I wish I had those. No like I'm looking back on it. I wish I still had those notebooks because there's in a lot of my notebooks, there's still jokes that I don't always get the telling. So I don't know. There could have been some some comedic gold in there that was uh, never never used. I doubt it, but there could have been. But yeah, anyway, so then you get these shows where, you know, other comics will ask you that they're, you know, they're running another show. And <laughs> part of what I think happened is I think I got a lot of shows because I brought people... Back in the day, my friends used to go to the, come to open mics with me a lot, and um, which is exciting for other comics because then you have an actual audience at these shows. So it's always exciting when another comedian brings a big group of friends, and that was kind of who what I did back in the day because everyone wanted to wanted to see what I was doing or were very interested in you know seeing me do stand up which is great. Very supportive. And I, and I think that kind of sparked the interest in the other comics that were running these other shows, like these actual shows that had an audience, you know, uh, I call them, I, I don't, not me specifically, but they're called bringer shows. So you bring, you bring a crowd, pretty much you, you get a spot if you bring four people or whatever. And, um, so I don't know. I don't know if it's because I was funny or just cause I knew, or they knew that I could get people to the show. But either way, those are always the best shows because they were actual crowds. And I always felt the best after them because people would actually laugh at my jokes. It wasn't like an open mic where no one laughs at your stuff. Uh, this was like actual audiences. It kind of reassured me as to, uh, reassured me that I was actually pretty good at this um, or that I was actually doing pretty okay. 
with this, um, with what I was doing. Like it wasn't like open mics are super, you know, they're kind of depressing and they're, they can, they can beat you down. And, it, you know, obviously the goal is to just kind of look past it and keep going, but doing actual shows is incredible. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you feel really great after it because people are laughing at what you're saying. So it's, it's really awesome. And it's, um, um, brings your spirits back up, I guess, or gives you a lot of confidence to keep going. So, but I would say probably two years for the, um, that was probably about two years of my life or the first two years of doing standup got really into it. And then I don't remember exactly what happened, but there was a point where I was not going to open mics anymore and I took a bit of a break and that's like the worst thing to do with anything really. I think if you're, you're working towards something, taking, I mean, taking a long break really hurts you, especially in standup um, because you kind of lose you lose the confidence, you lose the rhythm. And every time you take a break, like a lot extended break and go back into it, you're kind of like, you kind of starting over again. And I think that's true with any skill that you're trying, whether you're playing an instrument or, you know, learning how to draw or anything really working out. Um, the same thing happens. You just, you just lose this sort of uh rhythm that you've developed. And so I don't know, I think it, and it happens to me all the time. I get to the certain point where, um, you know, I have maybe a string of bad shows and, um, and then I just get to this moment where I'm like, you know what, I don't really want to do this anymore. And I just stop going to open mics and it's, it, I, I fucking hate it, it you know, um, cause there's all these other people that are just continuous with it. And they're at this point where, you know, I don't really I I want to say I should be, or I could be, but you know, it's kind of one of those things like you never know. So anyway, so there was a, did probably about two years open mics and um, kind of had this momentum going, took this break. I don't remember exactly why. I think I, I think it was around the time I got a job and I was working mostly nights. So if you're a stand-up comic, working nights is um, not good because that's when the, uh, that's when you fucking perform stand-up is at night. So if you get a night job and you want to become a stand-up comedian, quit that job. So yeah, I, um, I'm almost certain that's that's probably what the dilemma was. I started, I got a, I found, I needed to get a job, so I finally got a job. Problem was, I was working afternoon and night shifts, so I couldn't get to the open mic. So cut to maybe like a year and a half later, I uh, got a different job, which was during the day, so I didn't have to work all these night shifts. And, um, I started taking a, a stand-up class, uh, which is kind of a weird thing to do, but, um, cause I don't, uh, it was a good class. So I don't, I don't know how you teach someone to do stand-up. It's good for like someone that's like, like someone that wants to like, just like try it just to say they did it, you know? Um, I think that's, you know, kind of what the class is for, but I, you know, you learn, you learn things, and I think you the biggest advantage of taking a stand-up class is that you bounce your ideas off of other comics, and you get a uh, you get good feedback on how you how well your jokes are doing. It's kind of like uh, the bulk of the class is kind of like you do your set, and then you kind of discuss with other people and you know the instructor or whatever on how your jokes were, and they give you tips on hey maybe you should say it this way, or I think this punchline would be better if you did it or if you said it this way. So. It was a, a huge advantage to taking the class and it, it also helped 
just kind of um, get me back into doing stand up again. So it was a good, good way to um, kind of get back into the rhythm. And honestly, one of the best shows I ever did was the uh, showcase at the end of the class. Um, so I did this class at Improv Boston in Cambridge, and you, I forget how, I forget how many classes it is, but it's like a maybe six week program, and then all the students they do a set and. Um, yeah, and it was great. Uh, I mean, it's, it was only like maybe a three-minute set. But I remember just uh, just being one of the best sets I had and got a lot of laughter. And a lot of people from my job came out. A lot of my friends came out. And um, it was a great night. Just like the best – the it's one of the best feelings in the world is te- like doing a set and just people laughing at all your jokes. Like, it, it you know – and I'm sure other people feel this with other things like musicians feel that, I mean, probably just feel the same way with doing shows and the crowd loves your music and all this other stuff. But, um, yeah, it's one of the best feelings in the world. And I remember a bunch of people from work came out, we took the bus back home and there was this woman. So these girls that I worked with got me these flowers, these like, um, purple flowers or whatever. I can't, I don't remember what type of flower they were. And I just thought it was funny that they got me flowers and I'm, I'm carrying these things. Like I didn't really want them, but I'm, I'm like being polite, whatever. Uh, and I'm carrying them home and I'm on, we're on the bus. It's like me and maybe two or three of my other coworkers were on the bus and I'm standing up cause there's no seats and I'm at the front of the bus. And there's this woman all the way in the back, older woman. She's like one of the, one of those people that rides the bus with like 90 bags. And she goes, she's, she's yelling across the bus at me going, oh my God, those flowers are so lovely. And, you know, I'm on this like high of doing a good show and I'm just, you know, I'm talking to her and I'm like, yeah, they, they really uh, bring on my eyes. And, you know, we're going back and forth and I'm cracking these jokes and I'm making these other people on the bus laugh. And it was, and it, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. I love making people laugh. It's like the greatest feeling ever. And I'm just making these strangers laugh on the bus, just me and this woman talking back and forth and I don't know it's it was fun and <laughs> I feel like kind of an asshole because I didn't I should have gave her the flowers or not not necessarily giving her the flowers but giving her one of them because she kept she kept bringing up how one how beautiful they were but I didn't want to give them to her and say oh uh you know screw your gift to my friends and just give them to this lady I should have gave her a couple of them and she was going yeah she's going on and on about the flowers and then she was trying to figure out who I looked like. She um, she, she, uh, she had just seen this movie, and she was telling. She told me the title. It was like an independent film, so I didn't, I didn't, under, I didn't recognize the um, the title of it. And she's trying to. She didn't know the name of the actor, and she's trying to describe him and all this other stuff. And then she uh, said the name of another movie that he was in. And it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And back in the day, I I gotten that a couple of times. Maybe not right now, but um, when I had more hair. And it was a little thinner. So uh, people used to say that to me. I also got uh, this woman at the when I was working at uh, the gym at the front desk. She said, uh, "This woman, came, one of the members, came in. This is kind of sidetracking here, but she came in and said, uh, you look, you kind of look like uh, John Cusack.'" And I said, "A young John Cusack." And she goes, "No." And I just thought that was funny. So uh, she said, "I look like Joseph Gordon-Levitt was." She was like, great compliment he's a handsome guy so and it was a great night and i remember just getting off the bus and feeling like a dick later for not giving her a flower but uh 
yeah, it was one of the best nights because I remember just walking home from the bus stop, just like kind of just big smile on my face because because um, the show went so well and making people on the bus laugh and it's um, it's just one of the best feelings. So, and that's that sort of sparked another um, I guess uh, duration of uh, doing comedy. I don't I can't exactly remember how long that lasted, but um. Trying to think, it was you know maybe another year or so, and then I and then I signed up for, I enlisted in the Air Force, and uh, that obviously um, kind of took me away from doing stand up for a while, and which was you know, it is what it is. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was working a part time job. Um, I didn't know exactly what I was doing with my life. I didn't have, still didn't have money for school. So that was kind of just a, you know, it was a thing that seemed like the best option for me at the time. And it was a good option. And I'm not knocking anyone joining the military. I think it's a great option. If you don't know what you're doing, certainly do that. I think there, there's a lot of benefits to it. I know a lot of people knock it for obvious reasons, but, um, and obviously it didn't work out for me, but, uh, uh you know, a lot of my family's in the military, my sister, my brother, uh, and it's worked out wonders for them, my brother-in-law. So yeah, I mean, if you're trying to figure out what you're doing, certainly uh, pay for college, all that good stuff. That was my idea. I was, you know, going to join, or I did join, and, um, you know, pay for college and whatnot. Anyway, uh, so that didn't work out. I came back, uh, went back to work at my job I was working at before, but this time they hired me on full time and all this other stuff. And, um, from there I just kind of, uh, I went to this like really on and off kind of stand up thing. There'll be periods of time, like just like maybe periods of like three months where I'd go and do an open mics, but it was never like from that point, never like super, super serious. Like I never really got back into it to the extent I did when I first started. So there would be times like, oh, maybe I'll go hit up a mic and, you know, I'd do jokes and it'd be like, you know, that was okay. And um, I think the important thing is, is to be consistent with, I mean, with anything really, especially stand up or any type of, you know, performance or art or whatever, because it's very easily, um, very easy to kind of, um, I don't know, fall out of a, out of rhythm with it. And, um, anytime you, anytime that happens, you, you know, get back into it. It's one of the hardest things I'm trying to do it right now. And even now I'm falling into a pattern of not going this past week or the week before, you know, it's very easy, very easy to talk yourself or at least me personally, it's very easy to talk myself out of doing something. And then that, you know, you know, one night I'm like, hey, maybe I'll go tomorrow. And then that turns into, all right, I'll start next week and whatnot. I mean, you can do that with the gym. You can do that with anything. So, but now, nowadays, you know, the bike trip didn't work out. And I really, you know, it's really something I want to do. And I'm really trying to, trying to work out my schedule where I can do everything I want to do and nothing falls through the cracks. So if I can, if I can figure, I mean, I have a, I I've figured it out. It's just executing it. And, um, 
yeah, I just got to work it out. But it's something I really want to do. And I think at times I get into this thing where I'm like, you know what? I'm really not that great at this. Is this really something that's going to work out? And I don't know if it will. I think it's very hard for anyone trying to be, be successful in anything like this. Um, even like music and stuff like that, it's very hard to uh, kind of break into being successful at it. I mean, there's a lot of great talent that you might not have heard of. Like there's a lot of great Boston comics. There's a lot of great musicians everywhere that, you know, never get their big break or never choose to pursue it any further than a certain point. So it's really, it's, it's very challenging um, to get to, to be very, to be successful with it. I mean, you can be locally successful with it. You can be, you know, there's a lot of comics around here that do this on a nightly basis. I mean, they have full-time jobs, but they do this and they, they, you know, it's like a second income. It's like a second job for them and they do pretty well doing it. So, uh, I'm trying to figure out, I'd like to go all the way with it, to be honest with you. I, you know, um, but it's, uh, I don't know, it's hard. I just got to get into the right mindset to do it and just work towards it. Um, but I'm also trying to work on different avenues of, um, comedy as well. Uh, I did a, there was a period of time where I did a improv class too. Uh, I think I was trying to, I don't know. I have this problem where, uh, I have this thing where I feel like I'm not exactly, um, how I should be on stage. Like my persona on stage is not who I am. And I'm trying to work on that. Like I, you know, I'm very funny in like kind of a regular life thing. And that, I don't know, I'm trying to get that to translate on stage and it's hard, um, but I'm working on it, but, but I'm trying, I'm trying all these other avenues as well. Like I said, I was doing, um, I did this improv class to try to maybe build more confidence on stage and whatnot. And also to try to break into improv. I think, uh, um, I really like improv. Um, and I, I you know, outside, uh, outside of that class, I didn't really do much with it. I don't know. It's, uh, it's kind of hard to break into improv because you need like a, you know, like a group of people to do it. It's not like a one man thing. I mean, maybe it could be, I don't know. I could try it, but, um, I just don't know a lot of people that do improv. I guess I haven't really put a lot of effort into trying to find people to do it, but it's a little hard to break into, I guess. But, um, I would like to try to get that going again at some point in my life because I, I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was challenging. Um, if you haven't done an improv class, I think you should try it out. It's really fun. Um, something to mix it up with a little bit. There was a lot of people that weren't necessarily looking to get into improv themselves, but just wanted to try it out. It's like a, you know, it's a fun activity. I mean, if you're looking for a hobby, something different, something challenging, definitely, um, definitely give that a shot. Um, I, like I said, I had a lot of fun and I'm also, uh, working on sketch comedy too, which is, um, filming skits. So I have a lot of stuff, um, stuff written out that I've written over the years and, um, trying to put that into video sketches, um, which I'm working on getting that going now. So be on the lookout for that. I haven't really fully worked out everything yet. Um, me and Vinny are going to be doing some stuff together. So that should be fun. And like I said, that's a, that's a, that's a bit of a challenge too. Cause you need obviously people to, to, um, 
to work on that with um, kind of production wise. And it's good to have more people than yourself in a skit. Obviously, if a skit calls for more than one person in it too. So uh, a lot of, you know, improvs, I mean, not improv, uh, stand-up's a lot easier because you just by yourself, one person, you get up on stage, tell your jokes and get off. But improv, you need kind of a group to do these improv sketches. And then obviously with sketch comedy and videos and whatnot, um, it's, you know, it's harder to put together all alone. But um, so, yeah, keep an eye out for that. I haven't worked out all the details exactly yet. Uh, me and Vinny are going to be working on that, but it should be fun. I think I got, we got a lot of good stuff put together and um, hopefully to make you laugh. Oh, but I uh, I think it's important to kind of create your own opportunities because then um, there's no one standing in the way but yourself. I don't know. Got a lot of great ideas and uh, just trying to put them together and make it all work out. You know, because I'm I'm um, I love comedy. You know, it's uh, definitely a passion of mine, and I think I could take it somewhere. Hopefully, if I put the effort into it, um, possibilities are endless. So I'm very excited. And uh, just got to get get the work together. But anyway, I think that's going to be it for uh, today's episode of, hey, you still doing stand-up? A um, little bit of an insight to uh, how things have been going for me. And uh, yeah, I wanna, again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, um, viewership goes up a little bit every week. So that's always nice. And there's a lot of uh, regulars. I get a lot of feedback from, I mean, mostly friends or whatever. But it's uh it's pretty cool. People seem to like it, and that's awesome. That's uh that's what that's what I want. So that's kind of I mean this uh, I don't know how I know this is called the comedy podcast series, but I don't know how comedic it is. It's kind of more of an in depth kind of thing. But I try to make jokes here and there. But um, yeah, thanks for listening again. Uh, I have stickers made, so if you leave a comment, you're guaranteed a sticker, or leave a review on um, iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Guaranteed a sticker, just uh, send me a message and I'll get that out to you somehow. And those who, those of you who have, who have already left a review, I will um, I'll make sure to get you a sticker. Um, anyway, I'll see you guys next week and I uh, really appreciate you listening. Thanks. This here's a podcast about Danny Martin, not finishing the things that he started. Kind of like writing the lyrics to this song. Tragedy plus time equals Danny Martin. That's the title of this show. Now we're starting. Skilly bop 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 boo bop da bop boo you.